Welcome, everybody. How are you doing today? You doing all right? It feels like fall outside. Football season's kicked off. Isn't that awesome? I'm excited about everything that's going on. I am so excited that it, you know, the thing about Oklahoma, yesterday when I was driving home, uh, it was 99 degrees, and this morning when I woke up, it was 70, so I'm just, I'm really excited about this. It makes me want to get outside a little bit, and, and uh, but anyway, I'm glad you're here. We are, uh, if you're joining us online, thank you for being here, and thank you for joining us. God bless you wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life. We are so glad that you're joining us online. Now, we, c- we concluded Home Builders last week, sort of, but I wanted to do one more message. This is kind of a bonus message. Look at your neighbor and say, bonus. This is, this is a bonus message that I'm going to be speaking uh, directly to singles. And uh, before you're like, oh, man, I'm married, this really doesn't relate to me, I promise you this relates to everybody in the house. And here's another thing. I can really offer a unique perspective as a pastor that most pastors can't because of my story and because of the things that, that, that I have been through in my life. I really feel like God has given me a message to people. So um, uh, let's begin with prayer and let's dive right into this. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And thank you for this wonderful weather. And thank you, Lord, because we get to be together in your house. Speak to us today as we lean into your word in Christ's name. And everybody said, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you need to hear this. You need to hear this. Now, there's a lot of chaos in the world to get today and with the things that are going on in Afghanistan, with things that are going on with hurricanes and all the things that are happening in the world, and they don't necessarily are happening in central Oklahoma. However, when chaos hits our lives, it's not just important to have strong faith. It's important to have a strong home. You believe that? You believe that? It's important to have a, uh, no matter what you go through, I, I've been through things in life, and I've, I've, had, I've, I've suffered some loss in my life in the past two years. Uh, yeah, I don't know what COVID, what, what kind of effect that had on you when people had to stay at home together. I heard people, I, I talked to a few people that, man, we got to get away from each other. We've been locked in, you know, for, or whatever that looks like. But it helps through hard times to have a strong, a powerful family. Amen? Well, you have to build that. And that's the idea of home builders. Home builders are tools that help us build the life, not just the marriage, but your personal life. Home builders help us build the life or the marriage that we desire. Well, if you're single today, what we've talked about over the last few weeks, I hope that you've been paying attention if you're single in the house, because if you plan on getting married one of these days, we gave you six weeks of things that will help you when you get married one of these days. Because whatever your relationship status, well, I'm single, I'm married, I might be divorced, I'm widowed. Maybe you say, well, it's just complicated. It's just complicated. You're in one of two places. You're in a place where God wants to speak to you. You could be in a place right now. Maybe you're not married. Maybe you're divorced. You could be in a place where God wants to speak to you and do business on you right now while you are alone. Maybe he wants to heal you. Maybe he wants to change your perspective about a few things. But you're either in that place where God wants to speak to you or maybe you're in a place where God wants to speak through you. Wherever you are, don't waste wherever you are. Don't waste your time waiting on God to do something in your life because God wants to do something in your life right now wherever you are. If you believe that, say yes. 
because of my story, as I said before, I believe that as a pastor, I believe that I can give you a perspective, and I'm going to talk to you about this towards the end of this message, but I can give a very unique perspective that I believe that most pastors cannot, and I would not, I would not recommend, or I would not put this on any other. I wouldn't say, well, you, I'm so glad I can tell you this story, but I'm going to tell you some story. I'm going to be, uh, tell you a story, and I'm going to be very transparent about my life because I believe that I can help somebody today. A recent U.S. Census revealed that many people are staying single longer, that people are waiting longer to get married. The average age for a guy to get married is about 30. Did you know that? The average age for a woman to get married is about 28 years old, and this age is increasing at an increasing rate. About 30% of adults in church, adults, not just kids, but 30% of adults in churches are single and this is a growing demographic. Singles, being single is a growing demographic in the church and all over the United States. And I got to thinking about this. Why are people staying single longer? Well, uh, I think that people are a little bit gun shy. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, say, well, I don't know if marriage works. Well, 50% of the time, marriage does not work. It doesn't mean that yours won't. It just means that a lot of people don't put time and effort in, you know, home builders, as we talked about. But another thing is that, that people who have lived through rocky marriages or people that their marriages isn't the best are telling stories to people that are thinking about getting married. And they're like, uh, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. For example, I heard somebody say there are three rings in a marriage. First of all, the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and then the suffering. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I didn't say that. I said somebody said that. I got this, uh, uh, I had this uncle. His name's Uncle Bubba, and uh, we called him Bub, and, and he did things his own way. Uh, he was very different. He was kind of like my special uncle. He's a little bit crazy, uh, and, uh, you know, we just, he, just, he was just a little bit different, and we were on a golf course with him one time, and, and uh, he was setting up for a putt, and there were three of us around, and we were waiting on him, and he was, he was you know, I think this was a par three, and he was about to putt for par, and he was, you know, lined up about to, about to putt, and all of a sudden, there was a funeral procession that went by, and uh, he stopped mid-putt and just kind of stood up, took his hat off, and put his hat over his heart, and just had a moment of silence for a second, and we just, we didn't know what was going on. We were just standing there, and uh, we, we just kind of joined him. This is a special moment or something, but, and you know, all the hearses went by, and then when the final car went by, he put his hat back on and leaned over and got ready for his putt. And we were watching him and said, Uncle Bub, we think that that is a very honorable thing that you did. Man, we got lots of respect for you. He said, man, it's the least I could do. I was, I was married to her for 50 years. <laughs> well, that may or may not be a true story, but I had an Uncle Bub, and I think that you get the point. Um, the thing is, is there's no reason, there's no reason for you to fear getting married if you're single in the house. There's no reason for you to be afraid of getting married. And if you're single, the Bible doesn't just relate to your situation. The Bible speaks to your situation. So we're going to spend a little bit of time and we're going to talk about three or four categories of what it is to be single. The first one are children or young people that live in the house and the, let's go to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, in the first verse. And this is what it says. It says, children, you could say, 
teenagers, young adults, if you're living in the home and you're a minor, this passage is for you. It says, children, obey your parents. Everybody say obey. Because, they, because you belong to the Lord. Now notice this. He doesn't just say obey your parents because it's the right thing to do. He says obey your parents out of reverence to God. Isn't that interesting? Out of your, uh, in, in respect to your walk with God and respect to how you represent Christ to the world, obedience to your parents is a factor. He says, for you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. He says, number two, he says, honor your father and mother. Everybody say honor. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> this is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and your mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. i got to get a drink of water. Sorry. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, you don't have to be sorry to get a drink of water. Just get a drink of water, right? So two commandments of instruction are given to children. The first one is obey. Now what that is, is that is simply submission to authority. Obedience deals with our behavior. Obedience deals with our behavior. Obey in the Hebrew means, the word is soma, which means to listen or to hear. To listen or to, obedience is based on hearing and the behaving, behaving based on what you have heard. Why do we do this? Why do we do this when we're in the house? Because of protection. Protection. My kids, uh, they're young adults now, but they, uh, they got, as if they were young, there was two things you didn't do. You didn't lie to me and you didn't disobey me. And I, I, was, I, was, I would come down hard on that. Why? Because obedience deals with instructions uh, there are many things that you don't understand when you're a young person that you, you just obey simply because it is for your protection. Let me give you an example. We, when we were having an Easter egg hunt out here one time, this was about 12 years ago, there was a three-year-old little boy that took off running. We have a highway. People drive 70 miles an hour. So we were having an Easter egg hunt, and he took off running straight for that highway, and his dad said, stop, and he didn't stop. He kept yelling. He kept running as hard as he could. This, this young man, this little boy, he didn't understand the, the protection that his dad was offering. We finally, it took three, we finally, everybody just jetted out there and grabbed him. You know, he was a ways from it. But the point is that there are things as a young person that you don't understand. Well, I don't understand why they're saying that. Well, when you don't understand, God has put your parents in your life as a form of protection. You believe that same man? The other thing is honor, the second command, and that deals with not, if obedience deals with, if obedience deals with submission to authority, honor deals with respect to authority. In other words, honor has to do with your attitude, with your obedience. In other words, you can obey, well, go to your room, well, you go to your room and you slam your door. Honor deals with the, the attitude of the obedience, and remember, you may not always agree, but Paul was saying this. He says, do this out of reverence and honor to the Lord. It's not just about your relationship with your family. The word honor is temeo, which means to value. The reason that we choose to honor people in our lives is because that we value them, because of the price that your parents have, have paid. I challenge you to observe, if you're, if you're a young person, if you're in high school or college, I challenge you to observe the price 
that your parents have paid, the, pi the price that your parents continue to pay for your life, just take a look at what they do. Here's something that you might consider. It costs $1,000 a month for you to live there. I looked it up. I, also, I kept track when my kids were home. It cost about, about $120,000 to get your kids to 18 years old. The reason I want to know is because I'm sending my kids a bill when they make it big time. I'm going to send them a bill. I, got a, I, got, I, wrote, I, wrote a, uh, I found my daughter's checkbook a few years back, and I wrote myself a check. Then I'm going to cash one of these days. I, I'm kidding, of course. Or am I? <laughs> That's something that you consider. Attitude, if you want to you, you keep a good attitude, attitude is directly correlated with thankfulness. And this, listen, parents, I want to talk to you for a second. It is really important that we teach our kids to honor us. And how we do that is we remind them sometimes of, of the sacrifice that we make for them. Well, Travis, you don't understand. I serve my kids and I do all the things that I do for them and I want nothing in return. Whereas that might be noble, it doesn't teach us to raise kids that are thankful and, and kids that are honorable. Are you with me? So anyway, uh, uh, here's another thing. It comes with a promise. Don't forget this. It says this, the second part of that verse says, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Isn't that interesting? This is, now this is one of the Ten Commandments, but the Apostle Paul throws this in there. He says, this is a commandment with a promise. If you're a young adult, if you're a kid in the house, the Bible says that if you obey and honor your parents, things will go well with you in this life and you will live long on the earth. My mom used to say, what that means is, if you obey me and honor me, I won't kill you. <laughs> but if, if that is true, that you, your life goes well and you live long on the earth, could the opposite be true? That if you disobey and dishonor your parents, that it cuts your life short. I mean, if you think about that from a practical point, not that you're cursed, but that people who grow up disobeying the instruction of their parents, people that grow up dishonoring their parents, don't want anything to, have you, have you, do you know anybody that their life got cut short? Not because God killed them, but because their, because their decisions weren't wise. Are you with me? Why? Because your parents are protection. Now, here's, we have to remember this. It goes on to say it's not an unconditional obedience because we understand that there is abuse. It says, fathers, the fourth verse says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. There is a, 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 there is a, a disclosure of how kids are treated. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. Listen, we may not always agree with our parents, but we honor them. And this commandment comes with a promise of longevity and quality of life. Unmarried children, unmarried young adults in the home, obey and honor your parents. Number two, let's talk to young adults that are single in the house. 1 Corinthians 7.25 says this. Now regarding your question, they were asking about whether or not people should be married. They, uh, they had sent this question to the Apostle Paul. He says, now regarding your question, whether or not young women, or you could say, or young men, uh, who are not married, I do not have a command from the Lord from them. So what he's saying is, I'm going to give you some wisdom. He says, but the Lord in all of his mercy has given me wisdom that can be trusted. And I will share it with you because of the present crisis. I'm going to come back to that here in a second. I think it is best to remain as you are. In other words, it might be best to remain. If you're married, stay married. Well, let me just read it. He says, if you 
It says, if you have a wife, don't seek to end the marriage. If you, are, if you do not have a wife, don't seek to get married. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles, and I'm trying to spare you those problems. Now, you have to read this within its context because a lot of people, a lot of times when we read this, we think, well, the Apostle Paul is saying that it's better to not get married if you're not married. Or it's, you know, you have to read this in its context. The church of Corinth, they were under a lot of duress. And like a lot of other New Testament churches, they were being persecuted. So the Apostle Paul was saying, because of the present crisis, because of what's going on here, and because, you know, the Lord, they really believed, if you read what uh, they were writing in the New Testament, they believed that Jesus could come back at any time, and they were expecting that, so they were living like this. But a lot of times we put this burden on people. Well, you know, if you're going to live for God, if you're going to do what God wants you to do, you might have to be single. That's not what this says. So here's what I believe that he was trying to say. He was, he wasn't, he was saying, get married if you want to get married. Don't get married if you don't want to get married. But consider the present time. That's what I want to pull from this. Consider the present time. Consider the season that you're in. They were in a certain season, and they were in a certain time of duress that it might not have been a good time. Now, what I want to say to you is, should I get married? Should I not get married? Should I stay single? Is consider the present season that you're in. Don't just get married because other people are getting married. Don't get married because that's what, you know, every time you see somebody, they ask you if you've met someone. Consider the season that you are in. Look at your neighbor and say, consider the season. Because sometimes you can have the right option. Maybe you, you've met the right person but it's the wrong season. You hear me? Sometimes you meet the right person, but you need to wait. Right season, right option, wrong season. And maybe you need to consider what God might have for you because there are troubles associated with being married. Now, we don't want to leave it there, and I want to spare you. There are troubles associated with being married, but you need to know what you're getting into. How many of you know that no matter who you are, people have problems? Your Mr. Right has some wrong issues in his life. And a lot of times, a lot of times, here's a mistake that a lot of people make is I'm gonna marry this person and I'm gonna change them. Or I'm gonna marry this person and I know that they're changed. They told me that when once we get married, it's going to be different. How many of you know that that never works out? Listen, if he was a slob before he gets married, guess what? He's not all, all of a sudden gonna clean up. If, if, if he buys toys before he gets married, Things aren't going to change. You've got to work all of these things out. That's why you have premarital counseling. We sign up for the problems when we get married to somebody. You sign up for that person. Don't expect, don't expect yes, we grow older, we grow wiser, and, and, and things happen. But you sign up for what's going on because you are at one with this person. Why? Because we are on our best behavior before we get married. Have you noticed that? The best predictor of future behavior is what? Past behavior. That's the best predictor. So with all of this, marriage is worth the trouble. You believe that? Say amen. <laughs> that would be a good time to say amen as you're sitting next to your spot. With, with all the things that happen, marriage is worth the trouble. It is the most fulfilling relationship that you can experience, but you need to understand that it has to happen at the right time season. And the Apostle Paul says, I want you to know what you're getting into. In 1 Corinthians 7 and 32, he says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. 
An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking, and thinking how, about how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. Check this. His interests are divided. His interests are divided. In other words, they're divided between what he wants to do, what he wants to do for the Lord, what he wants to do for his career, what he wants to do for his hobbies, and they're, they're divided between pleasing his spouse, his wife. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted. Everybody say devoted. That means committed to the Lord and holy in body. That word holy, remember, holy doesn't mean holier than thou, especially spiritually. That's not what it means. It means separate. He's given an example that, that when you are single, you have the potential to do more. Uh, so let's keep reading. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place a restriction on you. Don't miss that. He says, for your benefit. This is wisdom. This is not a commandment. And I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord with a few, with as few distractions as possible. If a man thinks he's treating his fiance improperly, in other words, if you, have, you feel like you're giving in to passions, that's a good reason to get married because you don't want to sin in your relationship. So here's what Paul wants to say, I believe, is that know what you're getting into. It's not wrong to get married. It's not wrong to stay single, but know what you're giving into. And also, he says, when he says, I want you to be free, I believe that he's also saying that know what you're giving up. What are you giving up? Intimacy, companionship, marriage, it's incredibly fulfilling, but there is a price to it. What is the price tag to intimacy, companionships, and a fulfilling relationship? What is the price tag? Freedom. Freedom to be committed to doing something that you want to do. Now, that doesn't mean you give up your whole identity and you give up all your freedom and you never, it's just, it's just different because your interests are divided. If you're single, you have to figure out what your freedom means to you um, and make the most of your freedom while you have it. You have to make the most of your freedom while you have it. Otherwise, what happens is a lot of times people don't make the most of their freedom, the time that they're single, the time that they, can, they have more opportunities to do things. And what happens is about 10 years into the marriage, they look back and they regret the time that they not, did not spend investing in themselves and making the most of the freedom. Are you with me? Am I making sense? So many people do that because they don't make the most. It doesn't mean that they regret their marriage. It's that they didn't make the most of their freedom. People who make the most of their freedom when they are single don't miss it when they get married. I don't miss being single. I love being married. I think you have, to, you have to figure that out for yourself. Three thoughts about freedom. You can do three things with it. Number one, you can waste it. There's a lot of people wasting a lot of time being single. There's a, you, you can waste your time in front of a television, in front of a gaming system. You can, waste, you can completely waste your time doing nothing. Maybe, that, maybe there's a, a downtime for that. Or another thing you can do is you can spend it. You can spend it having fun. You can spend it going on trips. You can spend it on pleasurable things and, and whatever you want to do. That's, that's okay too. But I believe that the most important thing that you can do with your freedom, it's a resource, is to invest it. And I believe that wise people don't waste their freedom. They spend some of it, but they mostly invest it into being a better person or being a better person for God. 
They invest their freedom into a better future for themselves. And I believe the Apostle Paul, he's saying, this is a good season. Listen to me. If you're just out of college or if you're about to go to college, this is the time that you can not only invest in yourself, but this is a great opportunity for you to spend time pursuing God. This is the time that you want to go on mission trips. This is the time. But if Before I go on a mission trip, now I have to think about my family. I have to think about my wife's schedule. I've, I've been on several mission trips. I have to be thinking about what happens to me if I'm over there. You have to think about, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that there, it's easier to do. And the Apostle Paul was saying this. It's easier to serve God, to pursue whatever God wants you to do, not only as far as your ministry, but also when it comes to your life. You can pursue job opportunities. You can pursue how God is going to connect you to your job and what he's going to do through that in your life that this is the time and I know that this is ideal and not everybody does that but I'm just telling you the apostle Paul was bringing this up we need to recognize the season that we're in look at your neighbor say recognize the season it's your choice it's your life just be aware wherever you are not to waste the season that you're in because God has something for your life right now it's not just God's going to do something in my life in the future. God has something in your life right now, wherever you are. The third thing, and the last, is if you're single, if you're widowed and you're divorced. Some people don't plan to be single, but find themselves single. And this is, this is something that we all have to pay attention to because you might surprisingly one of these days be single. Maybe you uh, lose your spouse or maybe your spouse divorces you. I, I, can, I can talk to this situation. The first thing I want to tell you, if you find yourself single, if you're middle-aged or if you're whatever, if you find yourself in a situation you didn't plan on and all of a sudden you're not married anymore, the first thing I want to tell you is don't get crazy. Don't get, look at your neighbor and say, don't get crazy. Some people just don't do very well not being married. Have you noticed that? Some people, and I, I, I like being married way better than being single, but I was okay with being single. But God had to do a work in my life for that to happen. Single doesn't fare well with a lot of people. However, if you find yourself single, maybe it's not a choice. Here's a passage for you. And this was written to a young single pastor. And this translates to every age. Look at this, 2 Timothy 2 and 21. He says, if you keep yourself pure... You will be a special utensil or an article for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. God can use you if you're married. God has a special purpose for you if you're married. God wants you to, to, to be an example and he wants you to disciple your spouse and your family. But if you find yourself single by, by no choice of yours, God can use you exactly where you are. But here's the ticket. You've got to keep yourself pure. So what do we do? We don't go crazy. A lot of people will say, well, they, 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 they go through the trauma of a divorce. They go through the trauma of a lost one. I've seen this so many times in church. That a lot of people go crazy. The 22nd verse says, it says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. In other words, you're going to have temptations that you don't have when you're married. So how do you deal with that? You don't talk about it. Well, let me talk about, let's, let's talk about why we find each other attractive. No, let's not talk about those things. It says to run. Look at your neighbor and say run. If you are dealing with any temptation, 
and, and you're single, and you can't, you run from those situations. Why? Because God has a purpose. It says, run from anything that stimulates useful lust. Do you know that there are, are lusts, a lust is an evil desire, but there are lusts associated with being middle-aged that aren't necessarily associated with being young. There are youthful lusts, there are, adult, there are midlife lusts. And he's, then the next part of the verse talks about how that we do this. He says, instead, pursue. Everybody say pursue. Pursue what? Righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. So in order to pursue what God has for you when you're alone, when you're single, you've got to give up the things that you would normally pursue, and you've got to pursue these things because if you're not careful, you'll get distracted, and when you get distracted, you might get crazy. We're not going to get crazy. So pursue these things. And then he says, enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. In other words, a lot of people disconnect from the church when they go through a divorce or they go through a, a, a loss of a loved one. They will sometimes disconnect from the church. The Apostle Paul says, no, that's when you need to lean in to relationships that God has for you. A lot, uh, uh, when, you know, when I was single, I was around a lot of married couples. And I had to be okay with that. I was, I was always the fifth wheel, three couples in Travis. And, it, and, you know, it was sometimes kind of weird. It was never weird for them. It was kind of like, okay, you know, I'm, I'll set it. I'll, okay, can we pull up an extra chair for Travis? You know but these people were a part of my life. And I, they helped me through a situation and through a certain part of my life. Are you single here not by choice? Are you in a situation that, that you didn't choose? You're single that you didn't want it? Can I tell you this? God didn't cause it. Remember that. God didn't cause it. But we need to remember this, that you are in a place where God can speak to you. A lot of times we say, well, I'm in a place and I don't want to be there. But just remember this, wherever you are, you're in a place where God can speak to you. And here's what happened in my life, that God had to put me in a place where he could speak to me because he needed to heal me from some, th from some things. But you couldn't go crazy. Am I speaking to anybody today? One person over here. Good. And here's the deal. If, you're, if you find yourself single and you stay pure and you stay locked into the church and you're an example let me tell you something, and you really live for God, you are a rare commodity. Are you hearing me? You are, you are a rare commodity. If you're single and you passionately serve God, you're serving in the cause, and you're single, first of all, you are in high demand, and you are a rare commodity. I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of single people. They're just not out there. People that are single don't live for God. I don't know anybody that's single that really lives for God. They go to church. They have the bumper sticker on the back of their car, but really, they don't really live for God. I'm telling you, it's rare. But here's what he, the Apostle Paul said. God has a special purpose for people that are single and pure in heart. Are you with me? Don't waste it. If you find yourself single and you didn't choose it, don't get crazy. Get closer to God in the season. Here's the next thing if you find yourself single and you didn't choose it. Don't get bitter. <laughs> this is another thing that I've seen people fall into traps. If you're single, someone left you, somebody betrayed you, this is not the plan for your life. My mother went through a divorce. My, my father was not easy to live with. There's a long story behind that. But my father wasn't easy to live with. My parents went through a divorce. 
And my mom was 45 years old. And after that, she never wanted to have another relationship with another man for the rest of her life. And she was very adamant about it. When she was about 70 years old, actually she was about 60, 67 years old. She passed away when she was 72, so her health was going down. But about 65, 66 years old, I moved her into a retirement home. And it was a really nice, cute apartment and everything. But there was a lot of people that were retired living in that home. And they would have, like, dances in the lobby. And they would try to get her to go to things. And then, I don't know, it seems like there was dating that goes on in the retirement homes and stuff like that. So it's really funny. I, but she wanted no part of that. So I'd, I'd talk to her about every other day, and I, I and you would have, this is a mean Italian woman, okay? You just have to know her. But she called me up one day, and she said, bring my 45. I, when I moved her in, she, my mom has a 45, or had a 45 automatic. I still have one of these kind, okay? With all the ammunition. I'm like, mom, I need to take that. You can't move that into the retirement home. So I took, so she called me, she said, bring me my gun. I said, Mom, I'm not going to bring you your gun. She said, that's my gun, and you better bring me my gun. I said, I'm not going to do that. She, I said, why? And she said, because I'm tired of guys knocking on my door. One of them came in here the other day. I didn't even invite him. He came in and talked for 30 minutes. He said, she said, I ain't putting up with anyone. I want to meet him at the door with my 45. I don't want anything. She was bitter. Didn't want anything. So I picked her up one day. She said, will you give me my gun, Travis? I mean, and I'm like, no, Mom. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> there would be a police scene if I did it. She said, all right. Well, you know, she said, take me to the gun range. I'm like, okay. So we pulled up to the gun range, and uh, I guess this is the only place you can get what she wanted. She handed me a $20 bill, and she said, now go in there and get me some bear spray. I said, wait, she said, if you're going to give me my gun, I'm going to get me some bear spray one way or another. I'm going to shut it all down. <laughs> but, you know, I saw her over the years. I saw her, and, I, man, I loved her. And I'm, I'm not throwing shade on her situation, but I saw her get bitter about relationships. And I thought about how this affected me. I'm going to share some, I'm going to be very transparent with you. About 10 years ago, I went through one of the worst separation divorces that anybody could ever go through. Before you, think I'm being before you think I'm being dramatic or I'm exaggerating, uh, let me just tell you that my therapist, psychiatrist, who was 75 years old, Oklahoma City, published, had his own radio show, I sat down with him, and after I told him my story, he stepped back in his chair and looked at me and said, I have never in my life heard a story like that. <laughs> but, well, that made me feel good. But it was, one of, it was, a, it was a terrible, terrible situation. And... Uh, he looked at me and he said, Travis, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to work on you getting healed. And I think a lot of people get bitter because they don't heal. He said, we're going we're to work on you. Forget about all that. Forget about everything. Gonna, we're going to work on you getting healed. And we spent months, me going back and forth. But here was the deal. I, I struggled with it. Even though, you know, everybody's, everybody has a hand in whatever goes wrong in their lives. But there, I felt like there, in this situation there was nothing I could have done to save it, there was nothing I could do. I, I believe that I didn't cause it, but I struggled with the fact as a pastor, and I felt a, a tremendous amount of guilt because I felt like I failed. Imagine doing my job and, and, and going through what I went through about 10 years ago. I felt like I failed the people that looked up to me because people looked at me as an example. I felt like I failed my kids, and they would end up being another 
statistic because of what I went through. I felt like I failed my staff, the people that were working with me. I felt like I failed my calling and whatever God would do in my life in the future, I felt like it was over. But most of all, I felt like that I failed God. And even, even with people telling me, Travis, this was not your fault, I, I couldn't relieve myself of the guilt of, of, of feeling, it doesn't matter, you know, I am the leader of my home. And I suffered a tremendous amount of guilt to the extent that every day when I woke up, the first thing I would do is I would, I would, I would apologize to God. I am so sorry, God. I, ne- I am so sorry that I did this. I am so, so sorry. And, and then after a season, as, as I began to get through therapy, I began to get a little bit angry at the situation. And then that anger, I could feel myself growing a little bit bitter to ever being with any other person. And like, and I, I remember some of the things that I said that, you know, as a single person, I'll, you know, marriage is not for me. Or, and, and I could feel myself getting bigger and bitter. And one day, uh, actually, this was a week, I went to a national church conference, and there were 4,500 people at this conference. And this is not something that you have to go through in order for God to heal you. I'm just giving you my story. And when I, I went in while service was starting, and there were no seats in the house, and, you know, it was one of these deals where they had the headsets in, and like, how many people are with you? And I'm like, well, there's just one. Hey, we just got one down here. So, they, you know, they were searching the house. And we're like, hey, man, we got one seat in the entire house, and it's all the way down front. Are you okay with that? And I'm like, VIP? Well, yeah, send me down there. So I went down there, and I went all the way down there to where the guest speakers were, where they gave away free water, and they were all looking at me like, who's this guy? Who's this guy? And I'm like, that's right, VIP. Drinks on me. Here, here's, here's, a, here's, here's a water, you know. So I was sitting down there, and, the, and uh, they preached this message, and then at the end, it was, it, was, it was almost like, it felt like it was just all about me. It wasn't. There were pastors all over the house. They said, hey, we want every pastor in the house to stand, and, you know, one here, one there. They're probably, out of that many, it was probably about 5% were pastors. So they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for the pastors in the house. So everybody, if, if somebody... Uh, is near a pastor, I just want you to lay their hand, lay your hands on them. So everybody in, in, in my section, they just walked over and started praying for me. And I don't remember, it felt like it went by fast. But when, uh, as I was praying, I felt like something broke in me. I really felt like God was doing business in my life at that moment. Because I was really at a place where I was getting bitter. And I really needed for things to get better. How many of you know that in order for things to get better, you can't get bitter? Right? So I began, I really felt like something was lifted from me. And then when, it was all, when I opened my eyes, everybody was leaving. The service was over. And there were still some people with their hands on my shoulder praying for me. And I turned around, and there was a young couple behind me. And uh, there was a young woman there. She said, listen, I don't know what you have been through. And I don't want to know. <laughs> but I, want, I really feel like God is telling me to tell you, that you have been delivered. And I said, thank you, thank you, thank you. That I really, received. she said, no, you're not listening to me. You have been delivered. In other words, the thing that you feel like you've lost, the thing, you've been looking at this situation like it's a huge, huge loss, but the truth is, you have been delivered from a bad situation. And I never really thought about that. And for the first time as I was driving home, being th- thinking about that, thinking, it never occurred to me that I was carrying the emotional baggage of somebody else, or I was carrying something that I was not meant to carry. And I, I'm, I'm not telling you, I don't, I'm not throwing shade on anybody. I'm just telling you that maybe you are in a situation where you're carrying something 
that you shouldn't be carrying, and you're trying to hold on to a person. That you're, somebody's trying to leave you. Somebody's betraying you, and you're hanging on to it, and you're hanging on to it. Could I tell you something? That God did not call you to save anybody. And by trying to save somebody that doesn't want to be saved, they will drag you down. And not only are they going to destroy themselves, but they are going to destroy you, ultimately. And over the process of time, as I begin to think about that, one word that I've been, I got to thinking, you, may, you know, maybe I ought to be praising God for this situation instead of just waking up apologizing every single day. Am I helping anybody today? Listen to me. Listen, man, you're not, you're not, I'm going to say this again, you are not called to save anybody. You can't save anybody. Only God can save somebody. And in time, God gave me peace. God began to work a work in my life. And over time, you know, I, I, instead of doing life alone, God brought somebody in my life at the right season. About seven or eight years later, at the right season, I was okay with being single from, from here on out. But God brought somebody very, very special in my life. And when that happened, I was healed and I was whole. And I can't tell you, you know, life is not easier than it's ever been. I feel like I work harder and I'm doing more than I've ever done. But I'm in a better place than what I used to be in. And a lot of times what happens is we can't let go of something. And listen to me, I'm not telling you to leave your spouse. Don't get this twisted, okay? I'm telling you if somebody is trying to leave you. If somebody's betraying you, somebody's unfaithful, and you're trying to hang on, you're trying to save them, you're trying to hang on, listen to me, you need to let them go. Because God has got something better for you than to be tied to a person and carry their burden when they're just going to leave you anyway. God's got something better for you than that. Amen? But if you don't do that, you'll get bitter. You can get bitter or you can get better, but you can't do both. Amen? So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking to us today. And we trust and we believe that you have something better for us. Lord, wherever we are, whatever we're dealing with, whatever we're struggling with, whatever our relationship status is, you want to speak to us. As your heads are bowed, Maybe God's dealing with you right now. I want to say this again. Whatever your relationship status is, whether you're single, whether you're married, whatever whatever's going on, God either wants to speak to you or God wants to speak through you. You've got to be receptive to that. I want to tell you to trust God. Whatever your situation is, trust God. If right now you're feeling something, if, if you're going through a situation, if your marriage is struggling, if you're struggling with being single, whatever that looks like, I just want you to give that to God today in prayer as I pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that's here, every person that's online, Lord, I pray for every person. Maybe they, their marriage is on the rocks. Maybe they're single, Lord, and they're having a tough time being single. Whatever the situation is, maybe somebody has lost somebody, maybe somebody is divorced, maybe somebody's widowed. Wherever we are, you are there, Lord. We are never alone because your Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of us. So, Lord, I pray, God, that you will speak to people today and minister to people 
and heal people. Heal the brokenhearted. Bind up the hurting. Bring marriages together as we close this series out, Lord. Strengthen marriages. Solidify people that are single, that they only need you, Lord. There is a future. There is a hope. We don't have to be afraid to get married. Do a work in the lives of people. In the name of Jesus, if you receive that, say amen. As you continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. If you're watching us online, if you're here, or if you're watching us online and you don't know Jesus, he's not Lord and Savior of your life. If you can say that, Travis, I'm not right with God. Travis, I, I have never said Jesus be Lord and Savior of my life. Or maybe at some point in time you walked away from God and you feel like you want to rededicate your life to Christ. He never left you even though you left him. I just want to say a prayer. And if that's you, you want to give your life to Christ, I just want you to pray it with me. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or anything like that. I, but I would like to know if I'm praying for anybody today. So with nobody looking around, if you can say, Travis, that's me. If you'll pray, I'm going to pray with you and give my life to Christ. Quickly put your hand up and put it down so I know I'm praying for somebody. Can anybody say that? That's me, Travis. I'm going to give my life to Christ. If you're watching us online, as we pray, repeat this prayer with us. If you raise your hand, or if you didn't raise your hand, and today you want to get right with the Lord, just pray with us. We're all going to pray together right now. Just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm before you today, and I give you my life. And Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life, to forgive me for all of my sins. I confess that you are my Lord. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment forth, my life is committed to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate those that have given their life to Christ. Will you stand? Amen, amen. What an amazing message. If you guys will stand to your feet, go ahead and stretch your legs out. I just have a few announcements for you guys. First and foremost, if you gave your life to Christ today, I want you to know that is the best decision that you will ever make. And we want to join you in your next steps on this journey. So if you will text SAVED to the number on the screen directly behind me, we will get you connected with the Dream Team leader and help you with your next steps. I have a few announcements for you guys. This Wednesday, um, Faith Coast students is back. We're back from our summer break and we've been back for a little bit. We have a lot of fun. So if you have a sixth through 12th grader, we would love for them to get to be a part of that. We meet every Wednesday at 623. And next, guys, please join our prayer group. We have an amazing um, group of ladies that join every single um, second and fourth Wednesday of the month that pray for our church, that pray for people in our church and we would love for you guys to get to be a part of that um next guys i just want to pray a quick blessing over you and wish you guys a great labor day weekend may the lord bless you and protect you may he smile on you and be gracious to you may he show you his favor and give you his peace all right guys have a great week